Welcome back to the 1211 podcast. I'm I'm here with Matt Dickerson again. We're uh, continuing his his journey. Um, we we had finished last week talking about um, you know asking for wisdom and uh, how you you just continue to seek God and you, you continue to to come back to Bible study and you continue to learn and, and you started surrounding yourself in, in the life groups. Uh, you, you started you joined a life group at, at North Monroe and you. Uh, and then that's when that really when our friendship started developing and, and our, we found out our wives were like they should have been twins yeah. from another mother but uh um yeah. so uh and then god put jeff myself and you in the same room together uh, mm-hmm. and y'all really became two of the most important people in my life and uh, and as i said last week you know, you you and Jeff would be on one of one of the four corners of the mat that carries me, and you've done that before, and I and I appreciate that. But I really want to talk about your tear off the roof moment because I was there, mm-hmm. and uh, but I would much rather let the audience hear it from you. Uh, it was it was on your first retreat, the flood retreat we call it, because yep. it flooded the day before the retreat started, and and we had to move it about a month later and move it move locations and all the things but god knew all that was going to happen and he knew that was going to be your moment to yeah. where uh i don't even know the guy's name who tore the roof off mm-hmm. and then we lowered you in so yeah. so take it away yeah a little bit of backstory leading up to that so talk last time about you know jonathan and that moment outside of fresh start and that was all you know 2015 uh, 2015, end of 2015, Jonathan gets out on a fresh start. He starts coming to that Bible study, and you know God is, is fired working, up. working he on fired me. Up. He's working yeah, on Jonathan. We were, up. yeah, we were, we were committed. We were going through and and, and kind of walking this thing out together. Um, and and then right there at the beginning of 2016, I had another cousin that that was uh, that tragically passed away. And, just a crazy circumstance and an event and and we can talk about that a little bit later but we walked through that season january february march uh, a lot different than when when we lost lance and uh april 2016 is is when we went on that retreat and he and i went together and uh that why don't you go ahead and elaborate on that just just how different you loved your cousins the same, right? They oh, were yeah. they were both good dudes. Yeah. And then you lost them tragically. One one was in a in a car accident, and the other one was encephalitis. Is that what? Yeah. yeah so he uh, he was fishing, and uh, again, it, you know, by the time he got to the hospital, you're trying to figure out like what in the world's happening. Uh, but he's over in Shreveport. Me and Jonathan are are here in Monroe, and. My aunt calls and she's like, "Hey, you, your cousin's in the hospital. 
something's going on with him, not really sure what's happening. Um, but his, his brain's starting to, to swell. And obviously this is like a critical thing. So I remember I, I left work, me and Jonathan got in the truck and we just drove to Shreveport. And by the time we got to the hospital that he was at, they had already transferred him to uh, LSU S. And, and um, I remember we met my, his brother was, was there at the hospital when we got there and you know he was broke down. He was like, I, we didn't realize how severe this whole situation was driving over. We just knew that you know something happened He's not doing real well. We need to get over there. And we spent the next, I don't remember how many days it was, uh, in Shreveport in that hospital waiting room. And, and what had happened was he had gone fishing, and somehow or another we think he, he wiped his hand and, and got water in his nose from the lake. And encephalitis you know, went up his nose, and his brain started mm. to swell. And just you know, one thing led to another. They couldn't stop it. Uh, and And he passed away and and like I said I shared my story with when my my other cousin had passed away uh, about eight years before that six years eight years before that and how I handled that situation well this was a season that God I didn't know had been preparing me for but he had put me in that Bible study he had put me in that that moment with Jonathan to unload this hate and anger and all these things uh, to free up and, and allow me to experience his, his goodness, uh, I believe in preparation for, for this next event. And we sat in that hospital room and, and the hospital waiting room with family and people would come and go and he was another one, everybody loved him. Great guy, successful, all the things. And like what kind of crazy thing happens to somebody like this? And I just remember I, I'd taken my Bible with me uh, because I didn't know much at the time, but I knew that I didn't want to handle this situation the, enough. the way I want I handled the other one. Yeah. And so I just remember sitting there, and I opened my Bible up, and, and I was reading through um, Ecclesiastes. And um, Ecclesiastes, if you hadn't studied, is an interesting study on its own, but it's it's kind of takes you through this picture of like what is the meaning of life, what's the purpose of life, what are all these things, what does it all matter. And uh, I don't know why God took me to that book, but it really just kept me in perspective of, is your hope in this life? Like, is, is, is life on this earth your source of joy and contentment and fulfillment? And obviously when you're sitting in a hospital and you realize that the circumstances here are pretty bleak, and, and the doctors have already told us that this is going to be a very difficult thing for him to recover from. Um, you're running through the scenario in your mind of, okay, what if my cousin doesn't come out of this hospital? And, and just sitting in that room waiting and, and praying and reading and, and Jonathan and I both, I think, being able to, to walk through that together uh, was a really, really special time. And I remember going into to Chris's room and his wife was there and she would just sit there and I don't know how, I don't know if she ever ate or slept or anything that, that week long stay in the hospital up until he passed away. But, uh, you know, of course he's laying there and she's got this little radio on and um, 
she's she's playing uh, that song, uh, "Waters Where Where Feet May Fail." Oceans. Uh, yeah, oceans. Uh, and um, she's playing it over and over and over and over again. And that's that's a vivid memory that I have is standing at the end of his bed listening to that music playing, and she's just sitting there, you know, as a wife. Uh, walking through this uh, event with her husband and uh, he ended up passing away and uh, man it was tough it was heartbreaking it was it was difficult for our family but it was different it was a different hurt this go around than it was when Lance passed away and I I'm so thankful that God was faithful to not only me but to my family during that season of filling us with his peace and, and being faithful to us and our family. And though the tragedy still happened, we still lost Chris, um, there was this overwhelming peace throughout that. And it didn't take the place of the hurt. The hurt was still there. Mm-hmm. But the peace and, and understanding that, you know, what Chris gained this other side of, of this life was so much more than what we possess here and that it was selfish for us to to want to bring him back to this world um, when what he ha- now had was heaven and I really believed it at that time you know looking back like that was the that was the piece that I think my family possessed is that we were hurting because we lost the the, the relationship with this uh, uh, you know, mountain of a, a personality in our family, but we were joyful because we knew the promises God had for us after we took our last breath on earth. And so, uh, much different season, much different response to tragedy. Uh, but that was a another pivotal moment for for my journey and and, and my family. And so that was that was the. Early in 16, right? That was February, March? Yeah, January, February. And so if you've listened to any any of the previous episodes, uh, sometime in the fall of 15, that's when you and Kelsey came to our life group, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it was, we were were trying to figure out where, you know, we knew we needed to be in church. We were trying to figure out where we could go. And, was it was it before John Clark? Right around that time. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't know, we didn't know the Perrys. You didn't know time. the Perry, but yeah. but you did afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. And so there were several tragedies. One of them being John Clark Perry, uh, six month old baby boy who had a brain bleed, and he left this earth uh, November the the twenty ninth of fifteen, and that really drew our life group together. We. We had prayer visuals and all the different things, and now you and Jonathan have a great relationship. Yeah. Even though he's a knucklehead at times, <laughs> we're all knuckleheads. But I love him. I love uh, him. But y'all's relationship, you, you, you and Kelsey's and her, and Jonathan and Holly's relationship has has grown tremendously wow. over those over the last eight years. But yeah. that was another preparation. You know. Yeah. You you talk about, and I and and it's just a. If we're able to just turn around and look at all of the things that God had had done to prepare you yeah. for Chris's horrific passing, yeah. 
but he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be enough. Yeah. Right. Either way, I'm good. Bad things happen. <laughs> Either way, I'm good. And then he allowed you to go through that, and he showed you, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm going to be with you in the, in the waters. You're not going to drown. Yeah. I'm going to be with you in the fire. There will not be one singed hair on your head. Yeah. I will be with you. I am faithful, even when we are faithless. And that increased my faith. And then that, that, that very moment allowed you and Jonathan to, to, to bond even, even deeper into yeah. y'all's relationship and your relationship with each other, with Christ. Mm-hmm. You strengthen, and then the flood retreat, August yeah. of 16. I want to talk about that moment because I got chills on my arms right now just... <laughs> Yeah, you, we, we can't really talk about the retreat, but newsflash, people, you go on a retreat. There's prayer and worship. That's right. And it's freedom. That's and it. so, talk yeah. about that moment where you stood up and yeah. you had the microphone and tell them what you said. Yeah. So going into that retreat, you know, I was I was in one of the better places that I'd been in a long, long time, and and was really looking forward to going on the retreat yeah. some people are like i don't want to be here and I, I was not that way like i wanted to be there I, I i was you're ready i was ready to experience whatever god had for me that weekend mm-hmm. and i was not prepared to deal with all of that stuff i'd packed so deep because i see i felt like i was i was walking this thing out and i didn't have to relive all that stuff i didn't have to give all that up like i thought i could just start from where i was that day and move forward and god was blessing me and uh, there had been a a lot of things happen leading up to that retreat i was this this restoration with my my brother and this restoration within my family and then we have this loss of of chris and that brings our family again closer together and this bond is strengthened and and God reveals his faithfulness to, to us in that season. And and so I'm walking in going, man, I'm Cloud Nine, baby. I'm good, right? I'm I'm good. I'm gonna go on this retreat and it's gonna give me a little bit more boost of energy and I'm gonna keep walking this thing out. And I didn't go in there thinking like I'm not gonna talk about anything. That was that never registered in my mind. But we get in that retreat, and, and I don't remember what day. I think it was all a blur other than this moment where um, one of the guys that was leading the retreat stood up, and he started talking, and he shared his story. And the, the purpose of his story was this forgiveness. And we talked about in the last session about forgiveness and unforgiveness. And in the context that we talked about last time, it was this unforgiveness toward my brother. What I didn't realize was so evident in my life is I hadn't forgiven myself. Those eight years where I lived and acted and did all the things that I did and, and said all the things that I said and cursed God, and, and I'd never forgiven myself for those things. And I just carried it with me. It was, it was deep down packed inside. And so... He, he finishes his story, and his whole story is there's an event in his life, and, and, and a, a tragic event happened, and he had to forgive himself. And so they walked around, and you get to kind of speak and encourage, and, and 
I don't know who all was at the, the table or why I got the microphone, but I stood up and, you know, God takes control and, and speaks through you. And there was obviously some things I was dealing with. And I, I don't remember how I said it, but it was to the point of like, I just, I can't forgive myself for the way that I've acted. I felt so convicted and so guilty of because I knew my actions and the things I did were so wrong, but I believed that they were unforgivable. Like I just needed to, if I didn't think about them, I didn't have to worry about it. And, and this idea of, of forgiving myself was, was something I couldn't comprehend. Forgiving Jonathan was easy. That made sense to me. But what the enemy was doing was holding me captive and in, in, in this forgiveness for myself. And, and I said whatever I said, and, and it was a preacher, and I don't remember his name, but he was a, he was a, a vocational pastor. And he was a retreatant, and he stood up, and he said, Son, if God has forgiven you, who are you not to forgive yourself? And that was the moment. And, and it hit me so, I mean, it gives me chills thinking about it, but when he said that, it was like, it was like the chains had fallen off. It was, it was like a, a moment of, of freedom, of revelation. Somebody spoke into my doubt that I can forgive myself because I really, because truthfully God had forgiven me for those things. And then uh, it was it was all a blur, but I got rushed. <laughs> you know, looked like a swarm of it vultures. Was, it was a swarm of of godly men put me in it, and I don't know if they practiced this. I don't no, know if y'all did this rehearsed. before. No, but they swarmed me, and it it was a hundred plus men that prayed over me, and in that chair, man, I was. My brother was sitting knee to knee with me. And Fitz was there. And He's probably crying. We were all crying. But these men prayed over me, and I have never, to that point, I had never experienced something like that. And it just, it just uh, everything that we're talking about is biblical, and that's, that's just the beautiful thing about this. Is that In James chapter 5, it says, Confess your sins to each other yep. and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I I was the recipient of the power in that room. Mm-hmm. I saw the blood, the sweat, the tears, the snot, the, the but I saw freedom. Yep. I saw freedom. I saw another man stand up and I'm like, oh my God, he's he's not as big as Matt. You know, mm-hmm. he just called him to the mat in love. Yeah. Because he had to. He somebody had to say, hey dude. I'm recognizing you're you're you think you're okay, but you're dragging this 700-pound weight of, yeah. of unforgiveness for yourself, and that is you're not the only person that's ever done that. And so, you know, if you're out there and you're listening, maybe that's the barrier that has prevented you from being truly free in Christ yeah. because you haven't forgiven yourself. Yeah, it's easy to forgive people. It's easy to, to forgive people that, you know, and, and, and express that forgiveness to people that's hurt you and, and, and you hang around church long enough, you're going to hear the message of forgiveness and they're going to talk about the, the pill and the poison and it's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Like all that comprehends, man. But um, if you're listening 
and you can relate to this, like self-forgiveness is one of the more difficult things to do because it's real and it's raw and nobody knows you like you know you. Like there's some things that you'll profess to be forgiven from, but they're not all the things because all the things still live in the six inches between your ears. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment of understanding that God forgave me and that the enemy was trying to, to hold me back from being the man that God called me to be by always whispering, yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but you remember that. Yeah, but you cussed God. Man, you did. You hated this. You, All of that guilt and shame and all of those things, the enemy continued to try to, to dampen. And up until that moment, I didn't have the ears to, to hear or receive self-forgiveness. But there was definitely, that was a, that was a tear off the roof moment because yeah. when I got out of that chair, I was free from that dead man I'd been carrying. There wasn't enough corners in the room <laughs> on that map because there was a hundred dudes car yeah. carrying you to, the, to Jesus. And yeah. so I want to transition into uh, where you are currently. You know, yeah. we, we continued to have, we continued to, to walk this thing out we've experienced highs and lows and uh served together on the men's retreats for for the last eight years and yeah. and we don't we don't have enough paper or time to <laughs> to uh talk about all the things that god have done but i want to talk about your you know you at this time you were still coaching yeah. and then you uh moved into a role at the school board office with deanne yeah. deanne wound up moving in there a couple of years later and so um the way that my simple mind, the balls, you started juggling some balls. Yeah. So you're, so you're still coaching. You're yeah. offensive coordinator, you know, offensive line coach, yeah. uh, and you're working at the school board. Yeah. And you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit yeah. in you, and so you start. Let's let's get one more ball in the air. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. And uh, this is all happened around 18. Is that right? 2018. All right. So, and let's just talk about that. Yeah. So I was I would uh, I helped start the, the the welding program at Neville um, a couple of years before that was about 2016 2015 and um, that took off and, and you know was a was a great time great experience and ended up talking the the supervisor at that time over the, the at the school district to buy me a CNC plasma table and I had no experience with these didn't know what it was but I knew. Because this was right around the time like everybody was getting their names you know cut out of metal and that was becoming really popular so i was like well this would be a cool thing to add to our welding classes we can cut out fire pits and do the tiger heads in the fire yeah. pits and do all the stuff and so we they bite the school district bought the the plasma table we set it up in our shop and, and got it all hooked up and man I, I taught myself how to how to program and do all the the programming side the design side um and then how to run that table and in our class, you know, we would, to raise money to pay for T-shirts or gloves or whatever we needed, you know, we would start selling little signs and little stuff here and there. Well, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, like I was spending my holidays and my summers and my weekends at the shop building fire pits or welding trailers or cutting signs for people just to keep up because the demand was, yeah. was, was growing. And uh, 
I remember I went home one day. I'm like, I just, I mean, this is a great business idea. You know, I, I had that entrepreneurial spirit. I, I've always, you know, enjoyed business and things like that. And uh, I talked to Kelsey about it, and, and she was adamant that we are not getting a loan to start a business. And Kelsey is a CPA. She, She's a numbers lady she, for y'all yeah. that don't know. And and she is not an entrepreneur, and I love her because we are two totally opposite people. I'm She is risk-averse, and I'm like, we're going to risk it for the biscuit and figure it out on the back end. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and not, I tell people that jokingly, we, you know, it almost led to a divorce. Uh, but she was, she was very, uh, very much against this idea of getting a loan and starting a business um, in, the, in the very beginning. But behold, my perseverance and stubbornness uh, held out, and, and I did. I went and got a, a loan and. I bought a plasma table. I had a buddy of mine that had uh, some property in the shop uh, right there on Louisville. And in 2018, I started Legacy Metalworks. And that was a side hustle to the work that I was doing in the school district. Um, and I'd moved out of teaching into the school board position, supervisor for all career and technical education programs. And so that's what what I had done and, and I had a, a one of my former students that was coming up there and he was welding and working and then I'd go and you know in the afternoons I'd, I'd cut signs and weekends I'd cut signs and, and and just do whatever we needed to do and the business was taken off and it was it was really a blessing you know God was was faithful in that and um, we were able to pay our bills and pay our people and made some money and did all this and just kept kind of growing the business um, and then fast forward a couple of years my business had gotten to a point and my time in the school board had gotten to a point where you know something had to give because i was still coaching and i remember i was sitting in the parking lot i was sitting on the forklift that i had that i was renting at the time and uh i called mickey and i said look this business is growing these these things are i'm just i'm just too I got too much going on. Like, I think I got to step away from coaching. And, uh, and he was graceful in that. He said, you know, he wished me all the best, obviously, and, and it didn't change our relationship. But I, but I stepped out of coaching and went kind of full-time into the business, and I was still working for the school board. Um, and then fast forward to, to 2020, COVID hits, and the world shuts down, and so – January of 2020, Haley May's born. Um, school gets out like March, I think, is when, when the wheels fell off. And so everybody goes home. Well, for a small business owner, home was like I had a newborn at home and my wife was at home. She wasn't more, she was working from home and I had the business still and we had moved to a new place over on Washington Street and, you know, things were growing. And when people were at home, they needed hobbies. They started fixing stuff. They wanted fences and gates, and they started Googling a lot more stuff. And some year in business, that was our best year. You know, COVID was a blessing for, for the business. And I spent all day during 2020, you know, the, the, the first half of the year uh, at Legacy and growing that business. And I would, I would still do the, the meetings and stuff that we had online for the school district. I'd, 
you know, zoom into those meetings from my office. And then when those were over, I'd go back to welding and building and doing everything that, that the business required. And man, there was some, some revelation in that time that God revealed to me. Like there's this whole other world out here outside of, of the school system. And I'd already, you know, prior to that, I'd already made up my mind. Like I knew what I was going to do. I was, I was going to be a coach at Neville, and, and you know, Mickey, we'd win a few more state championships, and then Mickey would retire, and, and eventually I'd work my way into to the head coaching position, and then, you know, probably principal, and, and then I was going to retire as a professional educator. I'd already had it all mapped out, and then this legacy started happening, started growing, and then we spent that COVID year at the shop and getting experience, you know, being a small business owner and the freedom found in that and the creativity I found in that. Um, and really just kind of opened my eyes to, to opportunities. Um, and then I would say it was May, May 2020, I had a guy walk into my shop and he said, hey, how big you want legacy to be? And I was like, I mean, I don't know, you know, enough where I don't have to work two jobs and, you know, I can pay for my family and, and you know, we do a good job and so on and so forth. He said, well, I've got an opportunity for you if you're interested. And the next chapter started to unfold. <laughs> I, would, <clears throat> I would interject on that and call that the chapter of busyness. Um, <laughs> And so yeah. I want to I want to just kind of chime in real quick because obviously we, you know, I I'd been in business for a little while. I, I don't I do not have an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, one business was enough for me. Uh, and um, but we had some conversations and and that 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 the merging of of uh, legacy and the other company uh, was was in the process and and you had asked me. Uh, you know what do you think and I was like man it's a great it's, it's, it's a great opportunity and but man it's in CrossFit yeah yeah but, but it's only 45 minutes away and I was like yeah, yeah. 45 miles as a crow flies but the crow yeah. flies you know and so there were some uh, geographical uh, yeah hurdles uh, and they were all somewhat justified hey man i'd be time mm -hmm. i'd be time i could have for myself in the mornings yeah. and the evenings and, and i'm like yeah you got a baby and yeah you know all, all the things. things right and i'm and <laughs> and so in my mind i'm looking at, at matt dickerson and going man he just threw another ball in the air yep you know and 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 the busyness yep. uh uh so the business created more money yeah created more money but what else did it create more what yeah, so definitely I was making almost twice what I was making at the school district when I started. And, and we had, backstory is I was approached about uh, partnering in a, in a company that was an industrial fabrication and, and field service company that was based in Crossett, Arkansas. And, and I had some experience working in the industrial setting with Legacy, some small stuff out here at Graphic Packaging. Um, and this guy had an opportunity to buy this business and wanted to partner and need somebody to run it. And I, you know, my entrepreneurial spirit went into overdrive and I was like, yeah, we could do this, that, and the other, and we're gonna make it grow and, and all the things. And that process took us to November, 2020 when we closed. 
uh, and I'd left the school district and, and became uh, you know president and owner of AOP in uh, Crossett, Arkansas. By the way, my wife was not happy about all that. <laughs> yeah. She made it better yeah. now. Uh, which is crazy because you talk about wife, like Kelsey was more at peace with that decision than she was when I started Legacy, which is crazy in itself. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, great opportunity um, to explore a world that was different than the world I'd been living in. And really prayed a lot about it. Uh, talked to you guys about it, talked to Fitz about it, and and, and kind of spent several months walking out this this process of like, is this the door that God's opened for me to step through? Um, and did my best with all the excitement uh, to try not to be selfish about it. But tremendous opportunity uh, to, to partner and, and buy this company and um, hit the ground running. So yeah, I was making more money uh, than I'd ever made, uh, almost twice what I was making at the school district. And um, things got really busy. Uh, I thought running a small business was, was one thing, but buying a company and, and signing my name to a, a bunch of debt in hopes that this new company will grow and pay itself off and do all the things um, is things got really busy. And so I took from November, I mean, the day we signed, I turned and I went up to cross it that day and hit the ground running uh, with the guys that were still there, a few guys that were left and, um, you know, developed this, this plan and vision and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start knocking on doors. We're going to use the relationships that I've already got and we're going to, we're going to go get it. And so when we bought the company, it was doing about a million and a half. Um, and when we closed on it, it was doing about a million and a half. And, uh, I think the first year we finished, we did uh, four million. Twenty twenty one, we did four million um, as a company, and so substantial growth. And twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, we started to grow outside of our region, and and kind of had opportunities to do stuff all over the country. And so we were doing work in Kentucky, and uh, I'd been on a plane to Oregon, and. Uh, we were in South Carolina and Alabama and uh, traveling all over the place and had an opportunity to do a bunch of work. And so those, those couple of years there, uh, I became so focused on growing the business that I became so busy, and that's how the enemy got me. Um, because I thought I was walking faithfully in the door that God had opened and um, you know still still coming to Bible studies but I was driving to cross it and, and we were traveling a lot and we were flying here and flying there and doing all the stuff and um, you know it never stopped by the time I got home I was still answering emails, dealing with problems through the night, early morning. It's like my mind never shut off. And I was in this this season of go, 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 and grow, grow, grow. And um, outside looking in, I had everything that, that you would want, right? You know, big truck, making the money, traveling all over the place. Um, but I started feeling myself drift away from the hope and the joy and the fulfillment that I'd found 
years prior um, because I was so caught up in the busyness. And as a result of that, you asked, you know, what did I also get is uh, I got a lot of worry. I got a lot of fear. I got a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of thoughts of what if, what if this doesn't work? Um, And instead of surrendering those things and giving those things over to God, uh, I kind of threw them in the furnace and used it as as fuel to keep being busy. Like, I'm not going to let us fail, so I'm going to keep working harder and I'm going to spend more time and do more things and meet with more people and sell more jobs. Um, and I and I remember believing the lie that if you just get here, you'll be okay. If you get to this much revenue, you'll be okay. If you get to if you sell this size job, you'll be okay. But what I found is every time I accomplished that, there was still a void. And I'd accomplish the next one, and there'd still be a void. And I'd accomplish the next one, and there'd still be a void. And I remember. You know, 2021, 20, 2022 is when I started not to be able to sleep real well. I couldn't shut my mind off. And so I'd lay down and I'd be thinking about something and I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up early and I'd, my mind would just keep running, keep running, keep running. And your body can only do that for so long. And you guys, you and Fitz, and, and y'all never, you were stern and you were strict and you called me out when I needed to be called out, but you were, um, you were consistent in remaining faithful to, to walking alongside me during this season. And you knew that I was trying to grow the company and you knew I was trying to be successful and you knew all those things. And you would, you would just kind of consistently remind me about, hey, remember what's important. Remember the truth. Remember that it's not about all these things. And you did not want to hear that. And there was a lot of times I did not want to hear it, absolutely. Uh, and and I, I had been deceived for a period of time. But late, you know, second half, I'd say the second half of 2022, God revealed and opened my eyes to that truth. And, and my prayer began to change. Uh, my prayer... Uh, for my my work life and for that company uh, was for God to to realign it with its original purpose uh, because we had gotten off track and we were definitely chasing money and we were chasing success and you know our original prayer is that God would use that company and the relationships that we could build to to bring light into to what is a pretty dark industry at times and and look. The enemy will use a good thing. Oh, yeah. He will use a good thing that was given by God, and and he's deceitful. The Bible says he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's trying to steal our joy. He's trying to steal your rest. Yep. He's trying to steal your peace. And you've gotten back to this point to where you needed rest. Yeah. You needed rest. <laughs> the same type of rest you needed when you're when you're uh, when it happened to your brother, when it happened to your cousin. All the times where you weren't turning to God, you needed, and yep. you, you didn't mean to, but you put the business in front of God for just a little bit, yep. right? You weren't specifically committing these grandiose yep. sins and all the different things, but, but when we put anything in front of God, we're yep. sinning. That's you know, right. we're not doing what He told us to do. We're using the creation, and we're worshiping the creation and not the Creator. That's right. And so He knew that. God knew that, and so. 
you no longer have that company. Nope. Right? There were some things that happened, and and uh, God knew you needed rest. And so sometimes God just takes things from us. Absolutely. And we don't want to, and we throw our yep. passy down, and we <laughs> fold our arms, and we're like, man, why did why'd that happen? Yeah. I can't believe that and, and all the things. But then he introduced you to to a guy that, that we've been doing Bible study with and life group with and mm-hmm. uh, Justin Marsh. And so now you're working with Justin and, yeah. and, uh, but what I, what I see is, uh, you're working for the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, uh, beautiful couple, wonderful company. But what I've seen, and this is, uh, it's in the book called experiencing God. It says, uh, in order to experience God, you must make major, adjustments in your life to join God and what he's doing yeah. and uh, I saw that uh, we did our first high school boys retreat mm-hmm. right and and uh, <laughs> and I saw God move in your life mm-hmm. I saw he moved in all of our lives because he, he God showed us that these boys they just they're yearning for discipleship they're yearning to learn more about the lord and so i want to i want to just talk i want you to kind of share with the viewers what god what how you've experienced god through uh through the high school boys retreat and through now uh helping with fca with ulm and Mm -hmm. and uh, you've been with fca for forever but now there's a purpose yeah. You're, you're 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 serving the the, high, the college kids out at ULM, so joined in the work. Uh, right, you joined in the work. Yeah, um, yeah. So this last year, I think what God's revealed to me is is the hopelessness that is ever present across our community, and um, one way He's done that is is within our own, you know, church body and and our youth. We had the the high school boys retreat and. God, I had served by that point. I had served on I don't know how many retreats, but over twenty five. I, I had been there and done that, and, and knew the how it was going to go, and, and believed the Holy Spirit was going to show up and work in a mighty way. And I think I'd walked into it thinking like God is going to move in these young boys' lives like they've never experienced. And, and I he did. And I wasn't saying that to say that. You know, anything other than my focus was on how the Holy Spirit was going to move in their life instead of how God was going to move in my life. And uh, what God revealed to me was he showed me that there's, he broke my heart for these young people. Uh, And he revealed to me that the hopelessness that our our young people possess today I don't remember at their age. Uh, there's there's parts of that retreat that we can't go into detail of, but there's there's this 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 part of it where you get to ask the question like, have you dealt with these things? Like, have you dealt with depression? Have you dealt with anxiety? Have you dealt with uh, with worry? Have you dealt with thoughts of suicide? And when when the question about suicide came up. And I don't remember how I would I mean, 80 percent, 70, 80 percent of the boys in that room stood up and of the men in that room stood up yeah everybody everybody uh it was at that moment my heart broke into pieces and there's a process through that weekend i remember me and you i was sitting out in the in the lobby and and you came up and and we were talking and 
I was weeping, like hard crying, because I was so heartbroken for the hopelessness that I'd witnessed in that room. Um, and and it was that was just one thing that that led to to a lot of the other stuff we've been doing. And so, spent the last year working in the community. Uh, and like I said, Justin, me and Justin got together and, and came on board with Pulp Mill and. Um, those guys allow me to to use what I feel like God's gift is and and connecting the community and building in the community and, and growing some some things in the community and they allow me to do that and I'm so thankful for that um, but but part of that that journey was was working through this hopelessness in our community and it started with our young people at that high school retreat um, and then working in, in the FCA and, and you know, really getting involved in that ministry on the campus of ULM. And, uh, you know, we spend Sunday nights at, at Fitz's house and we meet with the leadership team. And, you know, you get to hear from, from young people about what they're dealing with. And then Monday nights we go and, and we do our, our, uh, our Monday night meeting with uh, all athletes from across the campus. And, and, uh, and it's not just athletes. People are other people. Not, yeah, are coming, just you know? whoever comes in. All right, we got, we got food and – and worship and and uh, testimony and and the message and I tell people FCA stands for Fellowship of Christian Athlete, but A means all. Yeah, all people. Yeah, if you go to ULM, you can come. Absolutely, and we uh, want you to come. Yes, and and receive the word and and, yeah. and join the community. It's a it's an awesome thing, and they're just people getting baptized left and right, and yeah. just tell them what that does for your faith, for Matt Dickerson's faith to watch yeah. these these individuals that are walking through that you know were you did you have cell phones in college yeah. like you had an iphone yeah see I, I'm, I ain't, I'm a dinosaur so yeah. i didn't have that you know so <laughs> walking through the things yeah that that, they, that that these kids are walking through the the envy and the judging yeah. and the, well i'm not i wasn't invited to this and that and, yeah and just watching them 21 20 19 it's going i just need jesus <laughs> What does yeah, that do for you? What, well, what I've realized, what God's revealed to me uh, through that group is um, we had cell phones, and, and I was a college athlete, and I remember the, the grind. You know, it, it's a full-time job being a college athlete and all kind of responsibility that comes with that. We didn't have the social media piece when I was in college that, that these kids have now. Um, and so the news was, was still kind of in the newspaper. And, and it wasn't just at your fingertips. I think Twitter was around at that time, and I think I had a Twitter, but there wasn't really much happening on Twitter. Um, but there was no NIL deals. There was no, you know, uh, uh, sending out your – there was no transfer portal. There was there was none of the stuff that these kids were dealing we are with not now. getting into that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and what God revealed to me as, as these 18, 19-year-olds had more life experience and hurt and worldly – um, experiences earlier than you and I. Mm-hmm. They they've been introduced to social media, which gave them access to the entire world and in all facets of the world uh, earlier on. And so when they're eighteen and nineteen, and yes, by age they're young, but they are exhausted. They have tasted and seen everything that the world has to offer, and they're going. I need something else. Got to be something else. There's got to be more to this than all of this other stuff. 
And so Monday nights, we're sitting there and we share the message and you open up the gospel word and, and you give opportunities to, to be prayed for. And these young people, these young men, these young women are surrendering to the goodness and gracefulness and mercifulness of, of God the Father because it's attractive, because it's different, because it's, it's, a, a, it's a hopeful um, relationship in a world that's full of hopeless relationships. And that's what's been revealed to me is that they're dealing with the same struggles and commitments that we were dealing with at our age um, but the exposure to uh, all of this other is, is much different. And so they're, praise God that they're tired. They're tired at 18 and 19-year-old uh, of what the world has to offer. And they're saying, this ain't it. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. And I see them... Like, they could be doing any other thing on Monday, on Sunday yeah. night. Monday night, I know back in the day, <laughs> yeah. I know where I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. at FCA. But th- but these kids, they're they're drawn to it, and they're like, they look forward to it. And they just, you know, Fitz says they stay over there until like 11 o'clock at night. They He's will. like, man, I'm an old dude. But but I, I stay up with them because it's just it's so encouraging yeah. and enlightening and just providing a place of refuge because they've tasted and seen that, the world can't do it. The money can't do it. The fame can't do it. We've talked about it. Yep. You know, uh, I've talked about it before with, with Tom Brady. He's one of my favorite players in the world. Uh, he said it on CBS after he won his third Super Bowl, maybe. He's like, man, there's got to be something more. And I was like, yes. Yes. It's called Jesus. Mm-hmm. The love of Christ. The fulfillment of Christ in our life. And so, man, I just want to I want to thank you. Uh, for for coming on today and uh, uh, I'm gonna give you one opportunity to share any closing comments or anything that you'd like to encourage the viewers uh, with before we we sign out today well I've I've been in this season of of, uh, seeing how important the Holy Spirit is in our in our journey and God's revealing, constantly revealing to me, regardless of the book that we're studying, um, that there's power in this Holy Spirit that we possess, this side of salvation. Uh, and so my encouragement is this, is if you're a believer in Christ and you have committed your life to, to follow um, and to live for Jesus Christ, then you have a full measure of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that hovered above the waters in the very beginning, the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, Right? The same Holy Spirit that, that spoke through Paul and through Peter and, and overcame the apostles in that upper room, that same Holy Spirit is what lives inside of you. And if you believe that, and you're sitting in this place of like, well, I haven't experienced that Holy Spirit that you've talked about, then my challenge is, what things in your life are quenching the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Galatians tell us that it's the Spirit inside of us that cries out, Abba, Father. Right? It's the Spirit that draws us to be more like Christ because that Holy Spirit is Christ. It is God. And it wants more of itself 
but it won't force itself on you. It will use conviction to bring you back. But if there's things in your life where you're feeling like, I, I just don't feel, the, I don't think I got the same Holy Spirit that Corey's got. I ain't got the same Holy Spirit that Fitz has got or Matt's got. Well, I challenge you with, with to sit maybe and, and reflect on what are the things in your life that are quenching the Holy Spirit from doing what it's designed and intended to do in your life. Because what the Holy Spirit wants to be is more like Christ. And so when we get out of the way, when we get the busyness of life out of the way, when we get all our distractions out of the way, our personal desires out of the way, you know, our own goals and motivations, and we surrender all that over, the Holy Spirit will do mighty, mighty things through you. So what do you say to the to the person out there that's like, <clears throat> I don't really know what I believe, or this Holy Spirit thing and this Jesus thing, I'm not, I don't know, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm, I'm questioning, do I even believe? Or what do I need to do to receive this? Yeah. I encourage you to say that's great. Yes. Because you're not having those thoughts on your own. Right. And the fact that you're thinking about salvation and you're thinking about this relationship with Christ only confirms that you were created for a relationship with the Creator. Mm-hmm. Because if that's not true, you wouldn't be having these thoughts about this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is push through your doubt, push through your fear, push through your desire to know the end of the story and accept the first step. And the first step is going, I don't know all that there is to know in that scripture or all there is to know about this God, but I know I need something other than the world's providing me, and I'm going to take this first step of obedience. And what the New Testament tells us, what Paul says and what Peter says is repent and be baptized. It's, it's believe and confess in your heart that Jesus Christ is king follow through with baptism and then let a community of believers come around you like they did for me in 2015 and 2014 and start to nurture you with the word and then just be faithful and remember that you were created for a purpose not a profession but a purpose and that purpose is to have a relationship with Christ and to bring others in this world to that same relationship with Christ. And that is the simplicity of the gospel. Thank you, Matt, for coming on, man. I love you. I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm thankful for you and Kelsey and Haley May and baby Henry, who we don't really know each other yet. I got to see him one time. <laughs> yeah. but uh, Thank you for coming on. And, and I... And I just hope that that the viewers enjoy this as much as I enjoyed bringing you on. And I just I love you. I love and, you. And um, thank you. So thank you guys for tuning in today. And I I hope that you have taken man I've taken so much out of this. I hope that, that one thing that maybe spoke to you that that draws you near to Christ and and walking in in, in the freedom of that. So y'all have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.